every time he opened his mouth, all I heard was, like I could not get past how boring he was. Taking that first step might not be the best step, but it's the catalyst for you to accept change. Take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Couplesynergy. And please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 20 years. You know, every day we get to hear intimate details about a couple's celebrations, disappointments, and everyday challenges. We've often wished these stories were shared because we know we are more similar than different. So we've created this podcast to be able to share these stories and help people improve their relationships. People like today's guests, Melanie and Peter. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today, guys. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. And, and so why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves? How old are you? Um, how long you've been together? And what do you guys do for a living? All right. Well, I'm 38 years old and uh, we've been together um, since for, we're at 16 years um, and uh, 2007. And um, I spent 10 years uh, as a police officer with the RCMP um, on the West coast of Canada. And, uh, now I'm currently working at a refinery and, uh, on in central Canada and uh, Ontario. And I am 40 years old. I robbed the cradle with my husband here. <laughs> and I mean, I raised my five babies. Uh, I homeschool them. Uh, they range, the twins are seven. Um, and then the other three children are, uh, 10, just about 12 and 13. I am a uh, life and soul coach. So I am able to walk alongside people and helping them clear the muddle out of their brains uh, to help them make the next right step. And I also uh, run a um, network marketing business uh, in the gut health realm. So I'm a busy mama. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us the story of how you guys met? <laughs> sure. Um, so she wasn't the babysitter, right? <laughs> no, uh, we attended the same church. Um, and I was still in grade 12 and she was in college. And basically my conversations sounded to her like blah, blah, blah. And that was, that was pretty much it. I had to try a couple more times, uh, grow up a little bit and, uh, had success, uh, several years later and a few, uh, um, I played football for a year. I traveled to New Zealand. And when I came back from New Zealand, that's when she started noticing me. And uh, we, we ended up having a first date shortly after that. Um, went to a movie, Coach Carter, 
and uh, it continued off from there. So his rendition is slightly different than mine. Uh, <laughs> every time I saw him, he was this tall gentleman who always, he would always treat people with such respect. But every time he opened his mouth, all I heard was, eh. like I could not get past how boring he was. And I couldn't help it. I desperately wanted to have a great conversation with him and I just couldn't. And so, like he said, he went and did all these life experiences and came back. But right now I know uh, the listeners can't see him, but he has this short crew cut, uh, clean shaven, and that's very similar to how he was in grade 12. But when he came back from New Zealand, he had this big, afro of blonde curly hair and no more glasses and his shirt was open with his chest hair coming out with a hemp necklace and I was like ooh la la like who is this man not long no longer a boy and so that was the beginning of um yes my physical attraction to him and shortly thereafter we had a very in-depth great conversation and that was kind of the beginning of our relationship. That's a really interesting story. And, you know, we hear that a lot. You know, I think girls, when they're younger, they're looking for that. They're looking for someone that's, you know, action and adventure, the rebel. And what they don't know, what they really want is the steady, secure, <laughs> nice guy. And when he was that, he was boring. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And uh, Peter's name means rock and that has truly come to pass that that is what he is in in our life and in our relationship and um, especially for the kids too so yeah so Peter did you did you know she thought you were boring at the time oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> what did she do with that because yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of guys out there that are like maybe they don't know what to say or how to talk to girls or whatever, like, how did you feel inside yourself when you knew that? And how did you figure out how to transform that? I think part of it, like, um, was just understanding how much I needed to grow as a person. Um, so like there was definitely a lot of, um, up until the point of grade 12, there was lots of focus on, you know, education and, and figuring that stuff out and less and less in figuring out the, the ladies realm. Um, but, uh, I going and doing something where I, you know, left home, I had my own place, learned what it was to take sports to the next level, you know, took me as a person to the next level. Um, going to, when I went to New Zealand, I didn't go with the friends or, or anyone that knew me. And so part of it was learning how to accept myself for who I am and realizing that people still like me. Mm. So I didn't need to pretend I didn't need to do anything different. It just was, I had to know that I was complete and whole as I was. Mm -hmm. And then from that point on, radiate who I was. And mm -hmm. so there was that inner attraction um, that sh shone through because I was confident who I was. Mm -hmm. And I was, um, I had grown. Mm -hmm. I wasn't just this shy, timid person that didn't think I had anything to offer. I did have something to offer and I knew it. And that was part of, I believe the, the understanding that I was okay, just me. And then now, you know, if someone else is interested, great, but I already know that I'm complete and whole as I am. So what's interesting is I didn't date a whole lot through college. And when I graduated college, for some reason, and it's the strangest story ever, but 
all of a sudden men started asking me out and I had seven dates in one week, including a brunch date because I couldn't book it in, in the evening anymore. Um, and Pete was the last one. And when I went home, um, with my roommate and we were just kind of discussing what the week was like, I said, well, there's no reason why I shouldn't date Pete Gall again. I just, there's nothing really there. Like there's, it's not bad. It's just, I don't know. Um, and then when he wanted to ask me out, he actually came to my, uh, place of work and he brought a dozen roses, which I thought like, I hardly know the guy like this is intense. And I said, you know what? I need to talk to you some more. And I didn't realize it at the time, but what ended up coming out was the makings of me as a coach. I, um, listed 20 questions that he needed to answer before I was going to be his girlfriend. <laughs> and it was like, he was planning on going back to New Zealand. So I wanted to know what his plans were for that. And what did he want in terms of a family and how quickly, and what was his, um, expectations in my role? His mom was a stay at home mom. Does he want the same thing for his wife? All of those questions that I think should be kind of a normal conversation, but it needed to be done in that half an hour lunch break I had. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yes, and then it was at that point that I was like, okay, this guy, he's willing to put up with my scrutiny of questions. And we started dating, not even based on like mad physical attraction or love or anything. It was like just a very logical there's no reason why I shouldn't date him. We have the same faith beliefs. He answered all my questions to my satisfaction. Let's do this. And it was two weeks later that I was shopping in Zellers. I don't know if y'all in, in the States have or had Zellers, no. this department store. Um, and a song by Alanis Morissette came on called uh, Head Over Feet. And I remember pushing my cart and her song came on, like, you treat me like a princess. And I'm like, yes. And then she says another line. I'm like, yes. And I'm like, oh, I'm in love with him. <laughs> <laughs> and it was at that moment that I'm like, let's plan the wedding. And legit, we got married uh, within months from there. <laughs> Did any wow. of the other guys get the questions? Oh, no, none. No. Oh, how come? Uh, no one brought me a dozen roses afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so they, 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 they were cut already. They were cut already. And I mean, by that time I was 24, like I didn't date a lot in college, but I had had relationships prior and kind of knew what I was looking for. Um, what I haven't told you is that when I was in college, I actually wrote out a list of everything that I wanted in a man and Peter Gall checked all of those. Oh, and you knew that in that date, in that 30 minutes? Um, great question. Yes. Okay. So do you have the, the short date and then the roses and then the questions? Yes. Okay. So yeah, I see. Yeah. yeah. The progression of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. And Peter, you were planning on going back to New Zealand then? Um, prior to investing a relationship with her. Yes. I had um, plans on going back. I, until I met her, I hadn't found a reason to to stay in Canada at that point. Um, and there was the only reason why I'd left in the first place was my sister was getting married. So I came back for that and, uh, was trying to figure out what was next with life. And yeah. Wow. Okay. So then you, you put those plans aside 
for the relationship. Yes. How long between the, the roses and the engagement? Six months. Yeah. Yeah, six months. It, it's really interesting. You know, we ask all our, our couples that and they're either short or they're really long. <laughs> it seems like there's not a lot of in between. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. So what is your engagement story? Ooh, wow. Um, so <laughs> I had some, uh, some help on this one and being told that this is like a story that's going to be retold and retold and that, <laughs> uh, you should probably make it a fair amount of effort into it. So, and, and make it meaningful. So, um, I had to make it spontaneous. So I had a couple like romantic dates prior. Just because I'm really intuitive. Like I, I, it takes a lot to surprise me. So this is why it needed to be um, spontaneous. Yeah. So I kind of got some of the things in place. I had um, got the ring, ring paid for it, had it just at the jewelry store so that it wasn't around. Her friend had helped us pick it out, um, but I made sure that I didn't get it, like take the physical one out of there. I got it like made with a, a different diamond so that it would still look like it was there. So that, cause he knew I would go back and yeah. check. And she did. <laughs> So she wasn't sure what was going on there <laughs> anyways. Um, and then, yeah, just trying to put the pieces together. So I ended up like making a home cooked meal for her showing that, you know, like I have the ability to provide and, and cook and she liked to see attention to detail. So I made sure there was place settings and like it made the, the table look different with candles and things like that. We had one of our first dates was at uh, um, a, a family friend's uh, acreage. So that was where part of the event for the night went. It was in the fall, so we did a walk through the leaves, um, and we had one of our, I think it was Jack Johnson, better together playing. Um, when I at on that person's property, went back um, over a little creek to a gazebo, and then that's got down on a knee and proposed for there. And um, yeah, I tried to make that event as meaningful, connected to our relationship, and then also something that she would be excited about sharing um, with her family and friends. So yeah. It was lovely. Yeah. And it was a surprise. Yeah. Like as soon as I showed up for the night, um, I knew that something probably was cooking, but before that I didn't, I didn't know, but so I was an event planner for a hospital foundation, um, during the time of our dating. So I, my job was to book events for fundraising, um, you know, times. And so, uh, we were booking a year in advance. Uh, at work for these different events. So I knew that if I wanted to get married in any of the higher end hotels or event centers that we needed to get on this right away. <laughs> so before he even got the ring or anything, um, pretty much at my Zeller's experience, uh, I said to him, we need to get married. Here are the dates that are available. <laughs> what? What? So I, I had an idea of what her answer was going to be. So that took a little bit of the pressure off. That helps. Had you, um, did you ask her parents or anything beforehand? Uh, yes, I had. Um, they, the distance is like 3000 like kilometers. So I, I got to meet them once, um, which was, yeah. So we started dating in February and by, I think it was spring break. I went and I went on a trip to go meet them, but wasn't quite ready to ask them that question at that point in time on the first <laughs> meeting. So I ended up having to call them on the phone 
uh, prior to asking her in the fall. So yeah, it was an interesting conversation, but I don't remember it being traumatic or hard. So they were they they were grateful that I asked. Yeah. yeah. So we have this theory that you know, as the wedding goes, so does the marriage. So are you guys kind of like that in your marriage as well, where you're planning and you're <laughs> aware of things and you're trying to figure out how to surprise her and <laughs> do things a little more spontaneous? Um, I would say that um, her desire for surprises is not super high, but her desire for an excellent planning is. Okay. So I'll... I'll try the spontaneous part would be me initiating <laughs> and then talking through the details and making sure it's going to be what she hopes for. If we're going to spend time and effort and energy into it and making it more of a, um, yeah, she's much more part of it and that she just loves doing the planning. So yes, I invest my time and effort into it, but I know that she appreciates knowing a bit more about it and having her say yeah. and input in it especially when it comes to the kids, because I'm the one who's home with them all day and I know kind of what's happening in their schedules. So to bring me in on the planning portion of it, um, to me, it just makes sense. Uh, as much as I, like he said, if he initiates and he's like, okay, hey, I want to care for your heart in this way, can we please go out? Or, um, you know, we have his parents coming to visit us. He says, okay, let's go away. Um, and that part is like, I feel very loved when he does that. Yeah. So what is it about each other that you fell in love with? Hmm. What I saw was an incredibly gorgeous, attractive, um, and brilliant woman mm -hmm. who um, shared the same faith with me, had the same, after going through all those questions, understood a little bit better about what she wanted in, in life for a family. Yeah. Um, and just saw someone who was confident and that I could see um, the two of us succeeding. Like I just, um, I, I really appreciated her ability um, to think and process on her own and just knowing that we would be stronger together. That was just really cool watching um, her skills and mine um, working together so well. Mm -hmm. um, when I came home and decided this is who I wanted to be with, uh, he was actually in Montreal um, visiting a friend. And I called him and said, can I please take you home to meet my parents? Um, it was in the days of MSN Messenger. I don't know if you recall that. Mm -hmm. um, and he says, that's fine. I'm just chatting with my friend here. Can I please have a picture of you? And I was just being goofy. I just had um, all of my pictures in icons. So I couldn't actually see what picture I was sending him. I was just like clicking through it. And they were just random photos of me of like a museum or something. And this one picture came up of a violet, let's say like a purple violet. And his response to me stopped me in my tracks. And he says, Melanie, you are like a wildflower that I will never try to control or tame. Mm -hmm. And I had to read that probably 15 times. And what I didn't realize at the time was that that was part of my story 
unfolding of things that I had believed, things that I had agreed with, things that I had lived with, um, that he could obviously see um, that I couldn't. And so when he spoke that life into me, I was like, hello, can you come home right now, please? Um, so along with that, uh, just his hardworking ethic, like his hard work ethic was something that was really instilled in me, um, that I appreciated. Uh, and he was raised in a fairly conservative home, um, which in some ways, uh, rubbed against me a little bit the wrong way, but also there was such a deep respect that he had for people because of that, that I was drawn to. Um, and because of that, he respected me, um, with his words and his body and yeah, it was very special. Thanks. Yeah. Was there something in your history that made you so kind of cautious and um, specific about being in a relationship as opposed to just feeling your way through it? It's almost like he had to sneak up and let you figure out you fell in love with him. You know, that's funny because he said actually um, later in our relationship that he had kept my number in a little box uh, for five years as he kind of watched me and kind of waited for me. Um, I don't know. That's a really good question. I think because of our belief in, um, in God and my desire to want to do his will for my life. Like, I think I was just really cautious not to jump into things foolishly or haphazardly and wanting to be, yeah, really careful because for us, we don't want a a do-over. We don't want someone new. We want this person for life and making sure of that as best as we could right before we said, I do was, I think of utmost importance. We can never necessarily control what happens in the future, but yeah. I think it helped us make a firm decision. Yeah, it's like same for you, Pete. I had friends, I had family mentors that um, when I talked to them about that relationship, there was support and encouragement to go that direction. I think another big part of it is we did um, walk through pre-marriage counseling, mm. um, which was huge because mm-hmm. we talked through just like how to deal with finances as a couple before we even got got there um we talked about you know like where we started like what what does my family look like and what do I expect that family uh, of origin yeah husband and wife and and Mm -hmm. what is how is um my future wife's uh what does her family look like and we walk through a ton of that stuff and also understanding our own identity and how we're wired so that was huge like that was probably um watching and seeing how compatible we were seeing all the different pieces falling together in that and then taking that to like full, like that was, that was in a class that we did that pre-marriage counseling, but then we also did uh, private. Um, and that was huge in establishing that trust and yeah. walking through really hard things before we even got there to the, to the altar. So, yeah, you know, um, years later, we did a book study with couples um, on a book called the meaning of marriage. And we did it with eight different couples. And out of those eight couples, we asked, like, we all had this conversation of who did pre-marriage counseling and did you like it? And there was only three couples that did it out of the eight. 
And Pete and I were the only ones that got such solid advice and not even advice, but just a ton of personal growth through it, a ton of digging, of recognizing our story, where we came from, uh, what like kind of this is going to look like and the challenges that lay ahead of us, right? Because you don't just marry your spouse, you also marry their family. Mm-hmm. You also marry their past and the generational junk that comes with each of us right so but also the generational growth and and the good things to look forward to and to have your eyes wide open to the challenges that his parents had to go through and his grandparents had to go through and i think that was pivotal for me especially wanting to get into coaching and for both of us to get into marriage mentoring of like this is so important and not many people are getting it and not many people know how to give it well Mm -hmm. Um, yeah for sure. For sure. So it was part of the 20 questions um, to have five kids. <laughs> we always wanted four. We had agreed on four, even in that moment. And then our fourth pregnancy was twins. So surprise. <laughs> wow, wow. We're not the ones in control. Right. <laughs> Can you guys talk about your faith and how it impacts your relationship and what do you think is the advantage of that? And, you know, we've interviewed a lot of couples and it seems that very few have a great positive experience with, and I'm going to call it religion, not faith or spirituality, but with religion. And some have had it where it's been just like the rock, like you said, that is, it's, it's their compass. Yep. What was that like for your guys' journey? Um, well, to start off, that's where we met, was at the church. Um, a lot of uh, our first interactions were in a very neutral environment, um, like in regards to any sort of pressures. We were at church functions. It was a safe environment to get to know each other. Um, so that was definitely a, a good kind of um, a, a place for that kind of beginnings to start. Um, another thing was um, just the amount of time that we ended up spending at church meant we got to spend more time together while we were also developing and growing as human beings. So learn in, in that, uh, in growing our faith, um, we also understood ourselves better and just were more stable for each other in that. And it, the community that is created there, um, were supporting us as well through mm-hmm. that whole time. So they were the ones that connected us with mm-hmm. pre-marriage counseling they were the ones that got us into the classes and we were able to host our own stuff as we were trying to figure things out with other newly married couples too. And that was the venue for us to host mm-hmm. those things. Um, and not only that, there was, we would join up with other small groups and get to see, you know, couples at that, you know, another 10 years ahead of us or 20 mm-hmm. and then talk to them. Yeah. And that provided a very easy conversation and a reason to mix and connect with those people. Yeah. So you know, we've been through so much in our life and we always say, now we're talking about church as an organization, um, but we always say, what do people do without a church? What do people do without this community, without this deep knit togetherness to help support, you know? Um, so he talked to that about like an organization like the church itself, but specifically in our relationship with God is that if we trust that he will never leave us and will never forsake us as the bible says and we both believe that 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 is our firm foundation that we are never alone in this life even if we don't understand the answers so it automatically relieves the pressure 
not that we live by it um, constantly, like we're, we falter, but yes, he's my rock, but he is only human. And it is so unfair of me to put pressures of this life on him to expect him to perform or to be perfect because the only one that can do that is God. And we both are coming from that standpoint and it's freedom for both of us. I think it allows freedom for making mistakes. It allows freedom for choosing grace for one another, for how we parent, because it's the same wavelength of from which we stand and we and we speak. If we don't know what to do or how to deal with something, we go to the Bible. We we ask the Lord. We ask our mentors who also love Jesus. And so, it truly is our absolute guidepost. And yeah, you know. I would recommend it to everybody. <laughs> Can you guys talk about some of those challenging times where, you know, your faith was, you know, the glue that kind of helped get you guys through it? The most recent uh, one that comes to mind or not most recent one, but uh, this last weekend we had a son that um, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but that we had to really work out letting him have a fever when he was 18 months old, I went upstairs. He's the youngest and one of the twins. Um, and in his crib, I found him. Um, so this is, I, we're going to need a bit of a trigger warning for uh, your audience. Um, I found him lifeless and, um, and blue in the face. Um, and at that point, I rushed him down to Pete, uh, who whacked him on the back um, and felt his heart start beating again. Um, that kind of started a whole series of tests and a life in the hospital, uh, whereby he started to have three different types of seizures. Nobody really knew why. Uh, one week after I found him in his crib like that, the RCMP, the police force had actually moved us and we were about to move. Um, so seven days later, we picked up and moved somewhere where we knew nobody. So like there's, we could just unpack all of that because there's life with the police force. There's parenting twins. There's parenting five kids, five and under. There's um, a seizuring child, which you never know what the heck is going to happen, which then catapulted me into a deep depression. And like our house had four floods and backyard was forest fires for years on end. And he was never home. And Pete had his own trauma. Like <laughs> we could write 17 books, I think. <laughs> That's why I said which one. Um, <laughs> but to go full circle back to why the fever this weekend was important was every time before that he had to be medicated or he had to go to a doctor so that we could try and make sure that he wasn't having a whole bunch of seizures. Because it was at the time when we first it started happening, it was fever related is the best we could come to understand. Mm. Um, but watching him go through this weekend, he was hitting temperatures that should have caused him to have a seizure and it, did, it didn't. So just yeah. balancing a, what most parents would see as a fever running its course with their child and then seeing them through to the other side, just kind of, and for us, it was a little different because it's like, what's going to happen if it yeah. stays up this high? Is it, will it go higher? Well, I don't know um, what would be, I think, a normal temperature for a kid, but Jed could never, his name is Jedediah. He could never have a seizure or a, a fever, pardon me that was higher than 37, which for most people would be normal. Um, and it, they called it atypical febrile seizures. Um, like you or I would have a sore throat to signify that we're getting ill, he would have a seizure. 
um, and being the youngest of five kids and all the other kids in school, like there was constant germs coming into our home and therefore constant seizures that I had to deal with by myself, mostly because he was working so much in this small town. So and how often would this happen? Yeah, it happened for 18 months um, at any given moment. Uh, they, the doctors did think um, that he would grow out of it, that it was a, he was considered epileptic. Um, but it would be when he's drinking water or when he's asleep in his bed or when he's going up and down the stairs, like there was zero rhyme or reason to it, which was what caused so much anxiety in me because I couldn't just let him be, or I didn't feel like I could just let him be a child. I had to constantly be with him or someone did. How did that impact the two of you and your relationship together? I mean, that's a lot of strain that is put on, on parents. A lot of parents out there struggle with that, where they have maybe a, a special needs kid, you know, or, or a kid that has diabetes and they're constantly having to, and you're justified having to watch over your child every minute. So how does that, how did that affect the two of you and your bond together? I think the first part of it was um, just feeling like there was definitely some separation in regards to just what we experienced um, through that. Like I was in my world taking care of what I thought was the most important thing of, you know, providing for the family financially um, and didn't realize quite how much of the burden she'd been taking. So there was definitely, it started off as a divide. Um, and then it, um, we, I guess when I became aware of what was fully going on and we kind of started discussing how we were going to manage this long term. Um, it meant making some pretty hard decisions um, yeah. and realizing as it unfolded and we, we, the, the gap separated um, or disappeared and we're, we were back on the same page. It meant a career change. It meant that I couldn't continue doing shift work and be on call all the time, that that was not sustainable. Um, which was really hard to kind of process. Um, and that, that decision was only, I guess it's now four and a half years ago, but uh, it doesn't feel like it was that, that long because it was, yeah, it was a lot of work to get into the policing and then to step out of it um, and say goodbye to it, I think was definitely was a huge um, decision, but I wanted my marriage. I wanted my mm -hmm. wife. I wanted to be a dad. That was way more important than any mm -hmm. career. Um, and yeah, it meant going back financially a little bit, but it was, I, I, I will never regret that decision mm -hmm. because I will never at the end of my life say, I wish I had worked more. Right. No, I am very glad that I spent the time invested in my family mm -hmm. and, um, knowing what's happened now, I'm even more grateful that I got mm -hmm. all the years um, with a lot more hours um, with them. So how long was it between the time you knew that this lifestyle was a problem to making the decision to change it? It happened really quickly. Uh, once he finally found out, because we lived in a small town, we had moved to the small town, there's only 2000 people. So on the very first day that we moved in, Pete, as the police officer, had people commenting, oh, hey, it's nice to see you, new police officer. And we know exactly where you live. You just moved in down the street. So there's any, any sense of anonymity 
had completely disappeared. So when I was so low, I, I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. I had to put cucumbers on the bottom shelf so that all my toddlers could literally open the fridge and just grab something to eat because I, I just didn't know that I could make it out of bed that day. I would wake up and think everything's fine, but I would be doing laundry and drop a sock and I would crumple on the floor. It, I just couldn't get a grip at all. But I am the type of women or people that he would take to the psych ward. Like, like I felt crazy and there was so much shame and so much um, unknown about that, but I didn't want to let him know because what would he do with that? He was so busy with what he was doing, taking care of other people. And, and if he found out and he had to take time off, that means the whole town is going to find out, which means I don't want to bring him down. I don't want to bring the police force. I don't want like this needed to just stay with me. And I was so, so isolated. And I didn't know how to tell him properly. And so one day I actually made a, a music playlist and just labeled it dark times or something to do with dark. And I just showed him and I'm like, can you take a look at this? Like, this is the state of my heart right now. And it's like, it was like screamo music or Eminem hard rap, or like, it was nothing of what I would normally listen to. And so it was, that was the beginning of like, babe, I love you, but it's either your job or me. Like, and it wasn't an ultimatum. It was like a cry for help. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we, that was in, uh, April and every July we would go back East, uh, for a family vacation. And we had already booked seven tickets and we decided that we would go east with seven tickets and only take one home because he was going to come back to work uh, for a couple of months to kind of finish things off and it was quick everything got thrown out into the lawn had a huge garage sale we booked a, a u-haul and started filling out paperwork for a leave from work and did you know she was feeling this way um like i knew that like because of all the different stresses that we had, I knew that there was definitely stuff going on, but I didn't know it had gone this far. Like, I think it's only in looking back and then us discussing it after we've, yeah, after after the fact. After we've healed. Yeah, that we I really truly understood like just how far yeah. things our, had gone. Yeah, our part of our healing, uh, yeah. in our healing journey, we were chatting. How, how long were you guys just kind of struggling with that from the time you moved to the new community to you know, things have got to change. Three years, but a year into it, I, I said, I have to get out of here. Like we would drive into the town. So every time he had days off, we had to leave the city, that little city. Otherwise he would get called back into work. And so we constantly lived, like we weren't even settled. We constantly lived two hours away at our friend's house um, on his days off. And every time we'd have to drive home and we turned the corner to head into our little town, I just had this deep sense of of dread mm -hmm. um so at a year so i dealt with that for um close to two years um but we were in the town for three years wow that's a long period of time kind of struggle with that. i don't do you think you guys would have experienced the same thing if you uh, were not moved into that small town and you were still connected to the community that you guys left 
I think about that a lot. I think it would have been easier for sure. You know, when you when you move from a town of a hundred thousand and neighbors all around you in a huge church community to you're on a big acreage with two 70 year olds on either side of you and you know no one. Like community is so important. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate your guys' story because, you know, a lot of times what you said about, we didn't know until we looked back and, and people get up every day and they live lives that they don't want to be living mm -hmm. and they don't really know it or that there's a way out or that the way out is going to be okay. And mm -hmm. in fact, much better because mm -hmm. you, you know what you're leaving behind, but you don't know what you're stepping into. Yeah. You know, in uh, the realm of gut health and, and helping people with their health in that way, there's a saying that we always come to that the pain of staying where we are has to be, what is it? The pain of staying greater where than we are. our fear of change. Ah, you mm -hmm. got it. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it really is true. And, and it is a normal thing that we go through. In fact, the statistics say six years. Yeah. Well, that's why they have the seven year itch for marriages, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> and most couples, they wait six years before they actually seek outside help. Yeah. They just kind of stay in the same minutia and just go through a period of survival. You know, you guys did something really smart when you went and figured some things out before you got married. And it's sort of like the same thing with any type of education. There's continuing ed, right? And so a, a, a relationship is like that. And this is part of the work that we teach is that, you know, you, you can't even learn things in your 20s that you can learn in your 30s. And you certainly can't learn things in your 30s that you can learn in your 50s. So you can't even speak into that until you're kind of in that stage. It's really interesting. And there's all sorts of reasons why, including just the development of our brains. And, you know, in your story, you guys couldn't foresee the impact of this move and to a, a smaller community and the impact of that in, on your family, right? It's something that you just ha had to go through and had to figure out while you were there. What was that, did that bring about a lot of fear to leave that career? And, you know, I know that it, the motivation is to be in the marriage and be with your family. And, you know, obviously it sounded like a, you know, reprioritizing that happened in your life. But was there any fear involved with that for you? 100%. Yeah, like, I had no idea how to translate what I'd just been doing for 10 years into another career that would look after my family's well-being. Um, one of the things that, uh, um, like, I feel that God just um, enabled is what one of my wife's friends reached out to her in regards to something that would help her in her in her current in that state at the time turned into an income mm -hmm. that allowed us the freedom for me to make very little money but yet we could still survive as a couple because mm -hmm. she has gifts and abilities and has been doing a mm -hmm. ton of stuff but as she got healthier and I was able to support and look after the kids more and give her more free time to do mm -hmm. that she just skyrocketed mm -hmm. and just her gifts and her abilities we're just like blossoming and growing and, and, and making us a good amount of money um, that gave us that freedom. So that was yeah. definitely just God's hand working through that whole thing. Cause 
I didn't know that it was even a possibility at the time. Right. And she's still looking after the kids, still at home doing all the things. Yes, I had to, you know, work really hard at um, being part of that team and doing a lot more than I had. But um, yeah, those were huge things. And I can see that now. Um, mm -hmm. But giving that up at the time, I, I started with just taking leave. You know, let's try this out. Let's see where this goes. Maybe I can still get another transfer. Maybe I could still get another job similar. Um, so I hadn't completely closed the door on it until probably a year and a half after the move. Mm -hmm. And even then that was, there was still some glimmers that it might happen, but. But I think that's also, um, where our faith comes in too. Like there are promises that the Lord will look after us when we put our faith in him. And there are promises that he will do good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And so trusting that it's actually not all on us it's not all our own responsibility yes we have to plant the seed but it's god who makes the water like the who waters it and makes the plants grow um and like pete said my plexus business quadrupled so we moved to ontario and by very nature of just being in a new community and in a new space and meeting new people people wanted to know how i got better gut health and mental health are directly linked and because, as you can tell, I'm free with my story and, and saying, like, we went through this and you can get better, too. Like, here are some of the tools to do that. That gave him freedom to be able to say, OK, I need some time to kind of heal myself because there was a lot of garbage that he saw and went through that we hadn't considered either. I wasn't the only one who was going through what felt like hell on earth. He did too, and and to give him space. And so when we look back, like you said, Gene, of being able to see where we were, we're just so thankful how things have turned out because it gave us, we're in a much better, much healthier space, emotionally, physically, spiritually, maritally, everything. Now, you said that you knew a year and a half into moving that this was not gonna be sustainable. What what took another year and a half before saying something, right, and giving him the mixtape? Do you remember the pivotal moment? Um, I felt trapped because we tried to move with, with the RCMP and with any large organization like that, everything just takes so much time. So I think that definitely aided in my inner feelings of feeling trapped and never able to get help and always being responsible for things and whatnot. So I think we would have for sure taken a break or done something differently earlier if we could have. Um, but at that time, the pain wasn't great enough, apparently, hmm. to say, I think you need to leave your job. <laughs> Because that, like that, and here is something else we learned is in this society, you are your work. What's the very first question we ask people? Hey, what do you do? Right? Your worth is defined by what you do. Your, your worth is defined. Your value is defined by how much you make. How high up in the organization are you? How good are you at your job? How many clients do you have? And so to simply walk away from that we were left exposed. What is our worth? Who determines our value? What determines 
our value and recognizing our value comes from the Lord. And there is no amount of money that is going to make us a better person. There's no amount of um, no career that's going to give us success. That's going to make us people who are worthy. That's only the Lord. So I think that was a huge lesson as well. What would you say is the sacred takeaway from going through what you went through? And what would you say to couples that are struggling with something like this right now? That change is possible on so many levels. You know, there is one just a picture that I saw, and I don't know if this is overly accurate of who Jesus is, but he has a like teddy bear, a small teddy bear in front of him. And there's this child crying for this small teddy bear and he's kind of threatening to take it away. But behind his back is this massive life-size teddy bear that she doesn't know exists. And regardless of whether or not that's biblically true, it was such a good picture for me of like, we always have this closed handed scarcity mentality that whatever's coming must be bad. Whatever's coming, I, I fear it. So it must not be good for me. And I would say, try just opening your hands and just saying, what if in a good way? That's a, a huge um, takeaway for me. What about you? I think one of the things that, uh, that helped, and I heard, we heard it again through um, another one of the coaches, is just that taking that first step might not be the best step, but it's the catalyst for you to, to accept change. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, they just because you go one direction doesn't mean that you don't get to go another direction after that, yeah, right? right? You can still continue yeah. making those changes and those decisions. Uh, decisions in your life to get you to the point where it does work. It does make sense. Um, yeah, you're never stuck. I, you know, watching our, the finances spiral down as the income basically was cut off. Um, like, we were provided for. Mm -hmm. There was there was people that uh, that reached out and, and brought us groceries. There was people that that helped us out at Christmas time in our first year here, out here, and it was okay to be broke. Mm -hmm. It was really humbling, mm -hmm. but it was okay, and we we survived through that. Figured out how to make ends meet where we were at financially, and then grew from there. And mm -hmm. once we had reined all that stuff in and and figured out that that wasn't what mattered anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like things things continue to happen and we continue to progress. The way our value, whether um, wasn't determined by that, and there was a lot of freedom mm -hmm. in being in that place. Yeah, and that knowing that we could endure all those past things, we knew that this was another hurdle that we were just going to have to, with the Lord's help, work together at. Mm -hmm. And I think that just that team approach mm -hmm. just became that much more entrenched in who we were as a couple yeah. versus, you know, me being away all the time for working. And that was the only way that we could make it work. And it was uh, a shared burden and shared load. And, and we could see how, yeah, as a couple, we were that much stronger when we relied on each other and uh, free each other in our, our gifts, I think is mm -hmm. kind of where that all comes to a head. So last question. What is it your partner does that you know they love you? This brings me to tears because it's already what, what we said. Like the fact that Pete would be willing to leave an entire career that he worked so, so hard for. Um, like he's just so sacrificial. 
that that means so much to me. And I know that I'm loved. Yeah, because of that. Um, for me, I feel like um, that she just makes a really big point of knowing that we're in this together, mm -hmm. um, that, we're, um, that we're a team. And just seeing her with our kids and her desire um, to take all five kids home and homeschool them, like it was huge. And just to know how much she loves our kids and just to see, um, just when she comes alive when we, we host events or we gather and just the, the tribe that she brings around her, I'm just so glad to be a part of that. And just knowing that that's done for us and for our family and for our, our life, is just huge. Um, that makes you feel loved. It makes me feel loved watching Aww. you do all that stuff. Like, <laughs> and just when I see her succeeding and just the glow, like, mm -hmm. and knowing that we did that together. Mm -hmm. um, that's amazing guys. Melanie, um, how can people learn more about your coaching and what you do? Well, thank you for asking. Um, www.melaniegallcoaching.com. And there's all the information there on the website. Uh, I just love being a thought partner for people. And especially if they feel stuck, like if you're listening today and you feel like I need to make a change, but I don't know how, go onto my website and, and book a 30 minute session for free. And we can just kind of see where you're at and how I might be able to walk alongside of you in that. And I understand you have your own podcast now too. What, where can they listen to your podcast? Oh, on all platforms. It's called sustained in the middle. As you can see, uh, that has been kind of a theme for us that we just when you look back and you recognize how the Lord has actually held you and sustained you through all of life's messes, because we all have messes. We all have chaos. We all have stuff that we go through that we're like, when we look back, how did we do that? And so it's just stories about my life, five minute snippets um, about our life. Uh, a last one that just um, broadcast was an awkward honeymoon scenario that happened with Pete calling oh Melanie from the basement when my mother was present so that <laughs> that was interesting and it always just ties back around to as you can tell faith is really important to us but just encouragement from the bible or I pray over you or it's just really great for the soul wonderful wonderful thank you both for being on our podcast today this is a, a treat it was yeah. a very big joy for us thank you oh thank you I feel so honored to be here thank you Thank you so much for having us. We want to thank all of you for joining us today on Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. Sharing stories have, have been ways that human beings have been sharing and processing and bonding and growing since the beginning of time. We hope that by you guys sharing your story, it's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and let us know how you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, our home study course, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And we just found a new beautiful space for the weekend intensive. So yes. look for that soon coming up. 
And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.